right, hey, get your Bibles out and uh, open them up to 1 Peter uh, chapter 1. If you didn't bring a Bible, there's one in the rack in front of you, and we'll put the page number up on the screen so you can follow along. 1 Peter chapter 1. By the way, I'm really thankful for Mike Myers and the good work they do at Beautiful Feet. Uh, First Colville has been a, a longtime friend of that ministry, Beautiful Feed, and I've personally been with them on site, ministering, helping feed the homeless there. It's a great place for your family to plug in. Many of our church family are a part of that. Some are in leadership there. And so it's just a great ministry, inner city Fort Worth, for you to get involved in caring for uh, those that are hurting and homeless. And so I highly recommend that you drop by the table and get some information uh, from Mike before you leave uh, today. Uh, you know, this last week I was uh, in Nashville at a conference um, on disciple making. And one of the speakers there was a, a lady named Mandisa. Some of you may know her. She's a gospel artist, great singer, powerful singer. She's also a disciple maker and invests her life in women on a regular basis. Uh, but she told part of her story that was really uh, striking to me. She said that uh, back around, I think 2015, she wrote a song called Overcomer, which was one of her uh, breakout songs, really went to the top of the charts. And uh, it was a great uplifting song. She wrote this song for a friend of hers that was a, a, a woman going through cancer, breast cancer. And uh, she wanted to really encourage her in her journey uh, of breast cancer. Uh, after the song came out, it was wonderful. She was, she was really flying high as far as career goes. But her friend uh, actually became pregnant, gave birth to a child, and then about a year later passed away from breast cancer. And she said when, when her friend passed away, it sent Mandisa into a, a tailspin. That she didn't understand why God did not heal her, did not understand why this was happening, why she was a young mother, could only hold her child for only a year. Uh, didn't see how this could possibly be in God's plan. And, and it just, she went from bad to worse. She stopped reading her Bible. She stopped uh, singing for a while. She, um, she stopped going to church, wouldn't take calls from her Christian friends. Uh, she just really was in a very, very dark, dark place. And uh, she said one night she found herself holding a bottle of pills and contemplating maybe even taking her own life. But she said God brought a mentor, a friend into her life, a man that began to just reach out to her and he would call her and leave a message and leave another message and leave another message and continue to reach out and pray for her and encourage her. And uh, in fact, that friend I know uh, fairly well and we've talked about it on occasion. And she said through his relentless pursuit of restoring her that she was able to break through from this grief and break through from this disappointment and really find herself back in a thriving relationship with God. In fact, she said, now I'm able to minister at a whole new level because of what I've gone through in my own grief. But she went from a, really a point of losing hope to finding hope again. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like that where you felt like you were losing hope. You know, Job, who's kind of the poster boy for a guy in the Bible that loses hope, uh, he was in a dark place in Job 15, 17. He said this, my spirit is broken 
My days are extinct. The graveyard is ready for me. I mean, this is a guy that's depressed, right? I'm broken. All that's ahead of me is the grave. And then he asks this question, where then is my hope? You know, there are a lot of people asking that same question. Where is my hope? And many of these people, they look like they have it all together on the outside. You know, they're going to work. They look like they got it all together. But on the inside, they are desperately losing hope. You know, that may be you. You may be here today and you look great on the outside. So they will say, how are you doing? And they say, oh, I'm great. And you're putting on that exterior uh, that says I'm fine. But you know on the inside you are that far away from losing hope. Losing hope that you'll never get over this grief. Losing hope that your marriage will never be healthy again. Losing hope that you'll never be healed or, or physically well again. Losing hope that your, your child will never overcome the battles that they're facing. Losing hope in so many different areas of our life. What do you do when you're at the point of losing hope? You know, the, the good news is that God talks to us about those seasons. You know, the Bible is, is, not, uh, is not Pollyannish, all right? You know what I mean? It's not just all sunshine and rainbows. The Bible actually deals with suffering and pain and how you get through that. And we're going to look at a passage about how you find hope again. You see, uh, Peter is writing this book of 1 Peter, this letter to 1 Peter. He's writing it to Christians that were scattered all across five different regions. You see that in the first couple of verses, he lists them off. This is modern-day Turkey, but they were scattered because of the Roman persecution. They were really suffering intense persecution. If you go back and just look in the history books about the Christian, the Christian persecution in Rome around the time of Nero, and you'll find it was a very dark and very bloody Whole families were wiped out on a whim. Many Christians were tortured and paled and lit on fire just for his own uh, twisted enjoyment. I mean, this was a dark, dark time. And Peter is writing to these Christians that are scattered and literally running for their lives. And he's showing them how to find hope in their desperate and difficult circumstances. And I think if Peter can talk to that group of people, then Peter can talk to us about how to find hope again. So let's uh, look at it. By the way, I saw a t-shirt last week that I thought was really fun. It looks like this. It looks like this. There we go. <laughs> hope dealer. <laughs> and that's really what Peter is, is, is becoming. He's a hope dealer. And uh, he's telling us how uh, to find hope. So let's just look at it. First Peter chapter 1, uh, verse 3. This is the word of God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, so now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. 
I want you to uh, circle the word in verse 3, living hope. Living hope. That's the title of the message. That's the main idea of this passage, living hope. The opposite of losing hope is living hope. What Mandisa was looking for was a living hope. Living hope is a hope that's real. It's a hope that helps. It's a hope that gives you strength to keep going and move forward. It's not a hope that's losing ground, it's gaining ground. It's not a hope that's shaky, but a hope that's solid and steadfast. Not a hope that's fading, but a hope that's getting brighter and brighter as you continue to walk forward and trust God. That's living hope. Everybody would like to have some living hope, amen? All of us would like to have some living hope. But where do we get that kind of living hope from? Where does it come from? Well, look at the passage. It says right here in verse 3, you get this, look at it, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Through, that word means on account of or because of or by way of. That, what, it, what he's saying here is that the way we get living hope is by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Put it another way, uh, when you are losing hope, only Jesus can give you living hope. Listen, if you're losing hope, only Jesus can give you living hope. For some of you, you need to hear that right now. If you're that far from losing hope, only Jesus can give you a living hope. And if anybody knew that, it was Peter, right? Peter, before uh, the resurrection, Peter was a mess. He was depressed. He was discouraged. He had denied Jesus. I mean, when he, he just said, Jesus, I'm going to be there, man. I'm going to take anybody out that comes against you, man. In just a few hours, he's running like a scald dog. I mean, he's hiding. He's denying. He's, he's, he's rejecting. He's hiding. And he thought, man, I, I, I have been an ultimate failure when Jesus needed me the most. He was in the darkest moment of his life. And yet, just a few hours later, when he sees the risen Christ, all of a sudden, he's a new guy, right? He's bold as a lion. He's preaching at Pentecost. He's walking by faith. He's leading a movement. How in the world can he go from losing hope to living hope? Well, it's because he had an encounter with the resurrected Savior. And listen, the same thing, what he's going to say here is the same thing can happen to you. You may be in a point of losing hope today, but you can walk it forward in living hope with courage and power and confidence in God. And he's going to show you how you do that right here in this passage. So let me give you a couple of things that he says about how you get living hope. All right. Here's the first thing I want you to write down. Jesus gives you hope that you can really change. Jesus gives you hope that you can really change. Look at verse three again. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Uh, the underline that words, those words born again. That is what is described of a person that comes into a true saving relationship with Jesus Christ. It's like you are born all over again. You're born again. Jesus was the one that coined that phrase. Uh, in John chapter 3, there's a man named Nicodemus that comes to Jesus at night. Nicodemus is a, a good man. He's a moral man. He is a very religious man. He's a religious leader. Uh, Nicodemus was, a, uh, was a, uh, a, 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 an influential man. He, he had great power and influence. And yet he comes to Jesus because he knows there's something missing. 
And he comes under night because they don't want anybody to see him coming to this rabbi and asking these spiritual questions. And so when they start the conversation, uh, Nicodemus starts with some compliments to Jesus. We know you're from God. Only, only God can do these things. And Jesus kind of cuts to the chase, almost cuts him off in mid-sentence. He said, Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. By the way, that's a pretty shocking thing to say to somebody who's supposed to be your religious leader, right? Unless you are born again, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Nicodemus kind of rocks back on his heels. He's like, well, what do you mean? I, I can just almost, almost hear him stuttering. Well, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, what, what do you say? I, I obviously can't crawl back in my mother's womb and be born again. What are you talking about? And, and Jesus persists. He goes, no, no, listen to me. Unless you are born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. What was he saying? He was saying, it's, Nicodemus is not good enough uh, that, that you're a good person. It's not enough that you're a religious person. It's not enough that you know a lot of the Torah. It's not enough that you have influence. Your resume means nothing. What you need, Nicodemus, is an encounter with God that changes you on the inside. That's what you need. And until you have that, you will never enter the kingdom of God. It's not about your morality. It's not about your Bible knowledge. It's not about how, who you know and who knows you. It's about, do you, have you had an encounter with Jesus that has changed you on the inside? And only God could do that. See, that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to, to be a sacrifice for us. He died on the cross to bear your sin. I say that every single Sunday, right? Every Sunday, same sermon. Jesus died for your sin. But also, I, I, I want to emphasize the backside of that. He also rose again. Did you know that? He not only died, but he rose again. And his resurrection is just as important as his death. His death paid the penalty for your sin. His resurrection gives you the power to live a different life. See, that's why Christians are all about the resurrection. We have a whole day uh, assigned to it, right? It's called Easter, Resurrection Sunday, where we remind ourselves that Jesus Christ only died for us, but he rose for us. And because of his resurrection, we can have resurrection power in our life to change what we cannot change on our own. That's what uh, Romans 6 says. Romans 6, 4, he said, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Listen to me, it is not enough for you to be good. It is not enough for you to be moral. It is not enough for you to know Bible knowledge. Some of you have been in church so long, you know so much, but you know there's something missing in your life. What you need is an encounter with the risen Jesus. And the risen Jesus will change you. He will not leave you the same. He will come into your life and he will make you a different person. That's why I can say with confidence, hey, listen, you can be different from your parents. You can be different from your family of origin. You can be different from the way you used to be and the way you used to live. You can become a new creation, but that only comes through the resurrected Jesus Christ coming into your life by faith. Peter reminds these Christians that are under persecution, listen, you can have hope to change. Some of you are wondering, I'll never change. I'll never change. My husband will never change. My kids will never change. I will never get over this thing in my past. I will never get past this addiction. I'll never, I'll never really move forward. I'll always be a screw up. I'll always be a mess up. I'll always be this way. No, 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 that, those are lies from hell. Jesus Christ says, I make all things new and you can have hope to change. Not only did he remind them of that, 
write this down. You can have hope of heaven. You can have hope that heaven is your home. Look at what he says in verse 4 and 5. I love this. And he said, and to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Peter's reminding them, these Christians that are suffering, that this world is not their home. This world is not their true home. Hey, let, let me just remind you something right quick. Uh, this world is not your home. All right? This is not your final stop. This is a temporary season. This is a temporary place. This, this world is a cheap hotel compared to the eternal home you have waiting for you up in heaven. Did you know that? A cheap hotel. All right? And Jesus has made preparations for you. In fact, in John, John chapter uh, uh, 14, he said, in my father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I am coming again so that where I am, you may be with me also. Jesus has gone to prepare a place that is far better than the place you have right now. Hey, listen, you may have some slick digs at your place, all right? You may have flat screens and the newest uh, carpet and the newest decorations. It is nothing compared to what Jesus has prepared for you. This is your temporary place. I just want to remind you of that because we get so fixated on here that we forget about the hereafter. We get so fixated on the now that we forget that there's, there's so much better ahead for the child of God. Uh, Paul said these words in Philippians 1.21. He said, to live is Christ and to die is a little bit better. Wait, did I say that right? Somebody that knows their Bible, help me with that. To live is Christ and to die is, well, that, that was weak and anemic. I'm going to give you one more chance. To live is Christ and to die is gain. That means promotion. That means better. In fact, in fact, a couple of verses later, he says it is far better to go and to be with him. Later on, he tells the Corinthians, he said, uh, no eye has seen or ear has heard or mind has conceived or imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. So what Peter is doing here is he's saying, listen, you have the hope to change right now, but Jesus will always give you hope for the future. And no matter how bad it is right now, you always have his preparation for you. In just a moment, when your life stops here, when you take your last breath here, you're moving in. You're moving in to the place where God has for you. And he starts to describe it. What is, what is it like? Well, it's imperishable. Look at it. That means it won't fall apart. It is undefiled. That means it's flawless and perfect. That it is unfading. That means it doesn't lose its brilliance. You know, things around here fall apart. Anybody or is a homeowner can understand that. You know, you got the pump that goes out, the air conditioning that crashes, the, the roof that leaks. You got, you got the foundation that's cracked. You got all those things that fall apart. That it's always degrading. And you have things that lose their newness. You got that new outfit and you put it on and it's only new for the first time you wear it. Then it's old hat after that. You get that new car and that new car smell only smells that way for about uh, two days, right? And then you eat a couple of burgers in there and you haul a couple of kids in there and it's gone forever. I don't care what they put in that little spray that is not coming back, all right? Why? Because it fades, folks. It fades. But he said, it's not like that in heaven. Every day is new. Every day is brilliant. Everything is perfectly created for you to glorify God and be to your enjoyment. He said, that's what it's like. 
Heaven, look at what he says is this. It is kept, it is, it is reserved, it's guarded in heaven for you. That means that the moment you were saved, your name was written in heaven's registry and you have a reservation and a time when you're checking in. Now, you don't know when the time is that you're gonna check in, but when you show up to heaven, he's gonna say, yes, sir, you're right on time. Let me show you to your room. It's reserved, it's kept, it's guarded in heaven. For you, we have, listen, Christians are the most hopeful people on the planet. Listen, if we only had hope that this world would get better, we would be a sad lot, wouldn't we? If we only had hope that, that we had have to change ourselves, we would be a sad lot, but we don't have that hope. Our hope is that Jesus Christ can change anybody. And not only that, that he has set aside a heaven for us and we are headed there no matter what happens. You know, the fact of the matter is, when life is bitter down here, heaven gets sweeter up there. When, uh, when suffering is real in this world, heaven is what we long for. When this life disappoints you and leaves you empty, what you're left with is a longing for heaven. And you know, the longer I live, the more I realize how short this life is. And how it will disappoint you. But we have a hope that is greater than that. We don't grieve as those who have no hope. We have a hope awaiting for us. A living hope that Jesus Christ has prepared a place for us. Heaven is a place of reward. It is a place of rest. It is a place of reunion. And I'm looking forward to it. It's the hope that we have of heaven. And Peter reminds us that when you're losing hope, we have a living hope. We have a living hope that we, anybody can change. A living hope that heaven is our home. Let me give you one more thing. Jesus gives you hope that he will carry you through whatever you're going through. He will carry you through whatever you're going through. Look at verse 6. He says, uh, in this you rejoice, so now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Peter is basically saying this. He's saying no matter what you're going through, he will carry you through. You know, Peter puts two words in one sentence that don't go together. You know, you know what an oxymoron is, right? That's two things that go together that don't make sense. Like jumbo shrimp, right? Something, something like that. And, uh, and, and these two things go together that don't really go together. And he is the word uh, rejoice and, and the word grief. You know, just circle them. They're right there in that verse. And he puts both of them in the same word. And you say, how in the world, uh, Peter, can you put joy and suffering together in the same thing? That it doesn't make sense to the world around us, but it makes perfect sense to the child of God. And here's why. Because hope gives us joy even in the midst of our suffering. Hope gives us joy. Hope that we can change. Hope that heaven is our home. And hope that God will carry us through whatever we're going through. I have a friend of mine that uh, we've known for many years and he's going through fighting a debilitating disease. But when I talk to him, 
there's joy in his eyes. I have another friend that's wife is struggling with cancer, but when I talk to him in his voice, he has hope and joy. I talk to people all the time, many of you. I've stood next to you when you've buried loved ones. I've stood in the graveyard and held your hand and hugged your neck and prayed over you. And I've seen with tears coming down your face, I've seen eyes that are bright with joy and hope. How is that possible? Because Peter said that in the midst of our crisis, we can have hope that Jesus Christ will carry us through. You say, Craig, how, is that? how can I do that? You may be here today and you may be going through the worst challenge of your life. You've got a, a crisis looming on the horizon. You've got trouble around the corner. You've got sin crouching at the door. How, how can you move forward in that? And, and what can you do practically to grab a hold of this living hope? Let me give you just a couple of simple things. Maybe you know somebody that's going through it right now and you don't know what to say to them. Here's some things that you can share with them to radiate hope, all right? Here's the first thing I would share with you. If you and I were just sitting at the table, I would say this. Don't forget that this trial is only temporary. It's only temporary. It isn't forever. Look at what Peter says. He says, if you have had to suffer a little while, literally that is translated for a season. That suffering is literally for a season. It's not forever. It's just for a season of time. And, and as you live long enough, you realize that there are some seasons of hardship and there's some seasons where you don't have it. And then some seasons of hardship and seasons that don't, they seem to come and go, but your suffering is just for a season. The Bible says in Psalm 30 verse five, uh, weeping is for the night, but joy comes in the morning. What that means is you may be in a season of weeping, a season of suffering, and that is a season, but I want you to forever forget that there's joy coming, that there's hope coming, that the, it may be dark right now, but the dawn is coming, and you can't ever forget that. Sometimes we fall into depression because we feel like this is all that will ever be, but hope is coming, and joy is coming. My father-in-law used to tell me this phrase, and you've heard it before. It's not actually in the Bible, but I think it is biblical. And he used to say this, Craig, this too, finish it, shall pass, it'll pass. And you know, you're right, that, that's not in 2 Chronicles 3, 5, all right? But, but it is in 1 Peter when he says it's for a little while, it's for a season. Don't ever forget it's for a season. Second thing that I would just would remind you is this, see the trial as an opportunity to trust God. He said, uh, if it is necessary for you to go through this trial, if necessary. In other words, what he's saying is this, that God sometimes allows trials to come into our life, some more severe than others, but he allows these trials to come into our life to shape us and to make us more like Christ. And these are opportunities for us to grow in our faith and experience God's nearness and God's presence and God's power in ways that you would never experience it before. Listen, the word miracle implies that something was impossible and God showed up and did a miracle, right? And so you have to have impossible before you can have miracle. You have to have crisis before you can have God show up in a, a supernatural way. You have to have trouble before you can see God as a remedy. And, and so many times God will allow us to walk through difficult times because in those seasons, 
We see him move in ways we've never seen him move before. And we hear his voice in ways we've never heard him before. The people that I know that walk with God, and I've seen them walk through very, very difficult trials and troubles. The consistent thing that they tell me is this, Craig, I know that the Lord has allowed this to happen in my life. So I don't blame God for it. I don't get mad at God for it. I see it as another opportunity to trust God and to see him move in a powerful way in my life. What a, what a great example to us. To see it as another opportunity. And in other words, think of it this way, like the hammer and the nail. As, as the suffering pounds on you, allow it to drive you deeper in your relationship with Jesus. That's what Peter's talking about here at the, in, the, in the last when he says, you don't see him, but you love him. You don't see him, but you trust him. You don't see him, but you rejoice in him. How can you do that? Because Peter allowed the troubles of his life to drive him into a deeper walk with God, to drive him more in the scripture, more in prayer, more with his brothers and sisters in Christ, more to a desperate need for Jesus. And listen, if it takes suffering to take you to a deeper place, then it will be worth it. I look back in my, old, my own seasons and of life of grief and hardship and trouble and loss, and I look back on those hardest times and I say, those were the times I grew the most. Those were the times I heard God's voice the clearest. So I see it as another opportunity to trust God even more. And then let me just give you this last thing. Know that God will use your trials for good. Know that God will use your trials for good. He said they will result in praise. I love that. Result in praise. He said just like the, uh, just like the goldsmith, he, he puts it in the fire. And he, he's watching it and his hand is on the thermostat and he's watching it. He's allowing all, these, uh, all the dross to come up and to be removed so that that gold can be pure and useful and valuable. Listen, your suffering can be used to bring God praise. Listen, you, will, you may never stand on a platform with a spotlight on you and a mic in your hand and talk to a crowd. But whenever you are going through suffering, you are on the platform. And everybody's eyes are on you. And you are holding the mic. And people are listening. They're listening to see, do you have hope? Listen, Jesus is the only one that can give you hope. When you're losing hope, only Jesus can give you living hope. He's the only one that can change you. He's the only one that can give you the hope of heaven. He's the only one that can carry you through what you're in. Only Jesus can do that. And if you're here today and you're saying, man, I'm just that far from losing hope, then press into Jesus. Lean in to Jesus. Surrender that hurt and that pain to Jesus. Let this drive you in closer to him. You know, the opposite of that statement is true. You know, the statement, if, if you're losing hope, only Jesus can give you living hope. The opposite of that statement is also true. If you're losing hope, but you've pushed Jesus away, you're pushing away the only hope that you have. Don't do that today. Don't push away the only hope. He wants to fill your life with hope again.